Hi, my name is Holly Hostetler, and I'm so glad to be with you all this afternoon um, celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David a Savior was born for you, who is Messiah the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, welcome. Uh, this is one of my favorite gatherings of the year, uh, to be able to be alongside you and to be able to uh, sing and be reminded of Jesus' first advent and his rescue, his coming in the flesh and dwelling among us. As a reminder, uh, tomorrow morning we will not gather. Uh, that margin of rest is a blessing to our volunteers. It's a blessing to our staff. Uh, we'll gather on uh, Sunday, January 1, then at 10 a.m. It's a family service. Sun Chasers will not meet. And then uh, Sun Chasers resumes on January 8th. So I hope that you can Join us there on January 1. We'll look at First Peter and, and be encouraged in the vision and the mission that we've been called to in the year ahead. Earlier this week, I also sent out a church-wide email. Uh, if you missed that, if you're not on our email list, you can find it on our Facebook page. But on there are some resources, a devotional, a playlist of worship songs, and some other resources. You're welcome to use those tomorrow morning or this weekend at some point. And then finally, in our, in our next worship set, we will give an offering because this is our one gathering of the year. Uh, if you're a guest with us, let that thing pass by. If you didn't anticipate to give uh, this afternoon, uh, please let that just pass by. But those are, that's an opportunity for us who call this church home 
to be able to invest and store up treasure in that way, invest in the kingdom. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is unchanging. He can't become more loving, more wise, more compassionate, more merciful, or more true. He can't become more of who he already is because he's not lacking in any, any way. He is the epitome and source of all of these characteristics. He is eternal, meaning he always has been, always will be. He's beyond time and space. He came in the flesh at Christmas, fully human, fully God, and lived and walked this earth for over three decades. And now sits at the right hand of God the Father, reigning, and one day returning as king and judge of the earth and all its people. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was the same in the Old Testament as he was as a baby and as a man in the Gospels and now as he reigns and rules at the right hand of the Father. In the Christmas story, in some sense, there is a yesterday, a today, and a forever chapters to that story. If we place ourselves into Luke 2 in the passage that Holly just read, imagine ourselves at that arrival of Jesus. That is the today. We remember that moment here tonight, the journey of Joseph and Mary to the town of Bethlehem, the humble scene of a feeding trough amidst animals, the arrival of our Savior and Lord, the announcement by the angel. But that moment in Bethlehem came after a long, long, long yesterday. All the Old Testament since Genesis 3, groaning and yearning for a Savior, a Messiah, a hero to come. In the yesterday chapter, we look back at the Old Testament and we see prophecies that, are, that continually point us forward to the child that will, be, that will be born in the town of David, to a virgin, and would be called, as, as Leanne read, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. But then there's also this tomorrow or that forever chapter to the Christmas story because the life of Jesus didn't end in Bethlehem, nor did it end on a cross at Calvary. He is eternal. He rose again on the third day. The tomb could not contain him. He was seen in the flesh by eyewitnesses, and he gathered with his disciples to eat and to be together. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he were not, he would not be worthy of our worship or worthy to give the whole of our lives to in surrender and follow him as Lord and leader. This is why the shepherds would glorify and praise God for Jesus because he's unchanging. This is why the wise men later would come and bow down to a small child. This is why Philippians 2 tells us one day, whether you trust in Christ or not, all will bow their knee. All will confess with their tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's king we each have a yesterday, today, and forever chapters to our stories. For the Christ follower, we all have a yesterday. We have a chapter of our lives before we knew and trusted in Jesus, before we understood the good news of Jesus, the gospel of God's grace, before we encountered His grace, His truth, before we experienced His love and forgiveness. If you compare our yesterday stories to the Old Testament storyline, we see a lot of similarities. Rebellion, pride, 
knowing what was right, but still choosing to do it our way. Trusting in ourselves rather than trusting in God and His ways. Worshiping golden idols rather than worshiping God Himself. We identify more with the Israelites than we'd probably care to admit. Maybe we even identify with the silence of the 400 years before the Old Testament and New Testament where we had some season in our life where it seemed like the Lord was distant, maybe even silent. But then the today came. Today, referring to that time, that moment in your life when the good news of Jesus broke into the darkness of our lives like that bright glory that came with the angel's announcement in Luke 2. God's voice of truth breaking through the lies that we had believed his word into the silence of our hearts. For the Christ follower here, do you remember that time in your life? That today, do you remember when the gospel clicked in your mind, in your heart, where the spiritual blindness gave way to spiritual sight and you saw Jesus for who he is? Not who he was, but who he is, Savior, Lord. And you saw yourself for who you are, someone born in need of saving, in need of healing in need of rescue in need of freedom do you remember this brothers and sisters i do i I remember hearing the gospel many times over before that day in january 93 i remember telling the lord of the universe no multiple times me telling the lord of the universe eh, not right now i'm not i'm not sure about that i'm not sure if i can do that i'm not sure if i can trust in you And in those times, I was just like an Israelite, hearing the truth but never receiving it as that. Never humbling myself to bow my knee or honor Him as King, as Savior. But then today came. It all changed. The Father was drawing me to Himself and I understood that I'd been created in His image and likeness. And I had wandered and strayed and yet I saw my sin for what it was. I saw the attitudes and actions in my life that were basically saying to the Lord, I don't care about you. I care about me. I saw that how my own efforts of of trying to be the moral kid or the kid that was better than the other kid and none of these things were going to lead to the forgiveness of my sin. None of those things were going to lead to the, the washing of my heart. And then by the grace and mercy of God, the good news of Jesus, it broke through. It broke through my hard, proud, self-righteous heart. The news that a Savior had been born not only for others, but for me, a Savior who would die for my sin, rise again, beating death, a Savior who offered salvation not by works, but by grace alone and through faith alone. And I remember that moment transferring my trust away from myself and on to Jesus. I remember bowing my knees, asking Him to save and forgive me, knowing He was faithful and just to do just that knowing that he was the same yesterday, today, and forever, assured me that he was not fickle. He wasn't moody. He wouldn't walk into January and be like, boy, I'm just kind of sad and gray right now. He's unchanging. Even though I had rejected him in my yesterday, he was continually inviting me to receive him in my today. And because Christ and his good news met me in my today, it changed my life forever. Trusting in Christ would lead to eternal rest, joy, delight, peace in heaven with Him one day. It meant fellowship for all eternity with all Christ followers from every tribe, tongue, and nation throughout all 
of history. It meant that one day there would be no tears, no more death, no more suffering, no more sickness. And it not only changed my forever, but it, ch it changed my, my literal tomorrow. Faith in Christ leads to a radically different outlook on this earthly life that we've been called into. Was everything perfect after 93? Absolutely not. But it did mean when circumstances were hard, I had a Savior who was present and near. When I'd experienced loss, I had a Lord who would be near and comfort and heard my cries, was not indifferent to that because He Himself wept. When I was lacking wisdom and didn't know which way to go, I had a Father who gave me His living and active Word. When I'd sinned against Him, I could find forgiveness and restoration in Christ. When I felt weak or unqualified, I'd been given the Holy Spirit to rely upon and trust in. When I needed help on a daily basis, He was an ever-present help in my time of need. My question to us is this, where are you at with Jesus today? I'm not talking about your yesterday. I'm not talking about the time you prayed a prayer or attended church, or I'm not talking about your sin and your stain from the past. Or how you've done, maybe you feel like you've done too much for a holy God to love you. Or how you've rejected Him for so long that you think He won't joyfully welcome your repentance. I'm not talking about your spiritual works and the resume you've built. God pursued the Israelites continually in the Old Testament. Through the prophets, through suffering, through trials, through miracles, through judges and kings, He was relentlessly longing for the people to not wander and stray, but to come home, to return, return to him as the shepherd and overseer of their souls, to no longer love the things of this world supremely, but to love him supremely with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And yet the vast majority in the Old Testament turned away, still rejected. And so the Father sent the Son to do what we so desperately needed to rescue us to seek and save us from wrath and adopt us. Bring us near, adopt us as his own, giving us the full inheritance of the king of kings. Where are you at with Jesus today? Are you resting in the truth that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone? Where's your hope today? Is your hope that the calendar is going to change here in a week and then we'll have hope or is it in jesus the risen king of kings reigning and ruling one day returning why do you celebrate christmas why do you celebrate christmas because it's the customary thing to do in our culture or because on this day in this season you remember a savior was born not for others but for you and your heart and your soul and your life and it's that savior who you've placed your faith and trust into Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is unchanging in His love for you, His pursuit of you, His invitation to you to drop what you're holding on to and follow Him as Lord. He is unchanging in His faithfulness to His people. So whatever you're facing in this season, whatever you will face in the year ahead, He is faithful to keep His promise, to never leave or forsake and to be near, to be present, to generously give wisdom when we ask, 
to be full of grace and truth because that is who he is. He cannot get more gracious or more truthful. He is the epitome of who, who he is. He is the great I am who came in the flesh to rescue and to redeem, to set free those of us who were captives. He's come to bring deliverance and freedom and delight in him. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you that you're for the lavish grace that you have shown to us in our yesterdays. Thank you for how you met us with grace in our todays. Thank you that your grace is more than sufficient for our tomorrows. As your people, we ask that you make us more like you in the year ahead. Grow our love for you and our, want, and our love for one another. And for the people in our lives who don't know the goodness that it is to be known by you as Lord and Savior. Thank you for calling us your own. As we worship you in both song and through giving, may you be glorified and exalted. May we be people who live with restful, faith-filled assurance that you are unchanging. You're unchanging in your good, great, glorious, and gracious character. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, several years ago, I got this book by Kevin DeYoung. It's called The, the Biggest Story. And the tagline, the bottom line, is how the snake crusher brings us back to the garden. And I want to read to you uh, the final four chapters because I, I think you'll hear the, the theme of yesterday, today, forever, and reminding us of, of the good news of Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, God's promises hadn't gone anywhere. In fact, God kept on making more promises all the time. God promised that the snake crusher, Abraham's child, Judah's lion, David's son, would come from Bethlehem. God promised he would be born of a virgin. God promised a messenger to prepare the way. God promised that the deliverer would die and live again and be a light to the nations God promised lots of amazing things, but Israel was too busy disobeying God's commands and ignoring God's warnings to notice. God sent miraculous prophets like Elijah and Elisha and rebuking prophets like Amos and Malachi and sad prophets like Jeremiah and good news prophets like Isaiah. It didn't matter which ones God sent or how many, the people never listened, not for very long anyway. And so one day it happened, God stopped sending the prophets. No more warnings, no more direction, no more word from the Lord. Only silence for 400 years. God had sent prophets, priests, and kings. He started out with Adam and started over with Noah. He chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He gave Moses the law. He sent Israel judges. He raised up deliverers. He conquered enemies. He provided sacrifices. He lived among his people in a tent and in a temple. God gave them every opportunity and 10,000 chances. But still, sin and the serpent seemed to be winning until all of a sudden they lost. After all these downs and not too many ups, we come to a manger in the little town of Bethlehem. This is where we meet the new Adam the child of Abraham, the son of David. It's with the stinky shepherds and the singing angels 
where we see the real deliverer, the real judge, the real conqueror. No one understood it completely at the time. But when Mary pushed out that baby, God pushed into the world the long-expected prophet, priest, and king. God gave his people a new law, a new temple, and a new sacrifice. Best of all, he gave his people a new beginning, just as he promised. Of course, some things were different than people had expected. The stable with the animals and the scandal with unmarried Mary were surprises to most folks. The miracles were remarkable. The teaching was unlike anything anyone had ever heard. The bumbling band of hand-picked disciples, well, that was curious. But the biggest surprise to everyone was that the chosen one of God was chosen by God to die. It just didn't seem right that the one who destined to crush the serpent would be crushed himself. So when Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God, died on the cross that Friday afternoon, it seemed a shocking evil beyond belief. And it was the worst thing that's ever happened in the world. But it was also the best thing that's ever happened in the world, just as we would expect from God and just as God planned it. We break promises, so God keeps his. We run from God, so he comes to us. We suffer for sin, so the Savior suffers for us. Our story is the story of God doing what we can't in order to make up for us doing what we shouldn't. The Christ suffers for our sin so, so that we might share in his sinlessness. And so deliverers are born to die. Things fall apart so they can come together. God kicks his own people out of paradise and then does whatever it takes to bring them back again. As you may have heard, and you should definitely tell someone, the snake crusher who died on the cross didn't stay dead. He couldn't. Death had no claim on him. The devil had no case against him. And sin had no wages for him that he couldn't pay. Jesus just couldn't stay dead and God just wouldn't let him rot in the tomb. So on the third day, God raised him from the dead. A whole bunch of people saw him and ate with him and told their friends that he was really alive. Forty days later, God lifted him into the sky and gave him the seat of honor at his right hand. And you know what the snake crusher did next? Well, because his work was done, he sat down. And God gave him the name above all names so that the name of Jesus, everybody and everything would start to sing and shout and worship. Then just to make things even better and to make good on even more promises, God the Father and God the Son sent the best present of all. Of all time, down to earth, they gave the gift of God the Spirit. And because of the Spirit, we can have power and peace and the presence of Christ with us all the time. As you can tell, the story is a big story. In fact, it's the biggest story. It's a familiar story to some of us. It's a true story for all of us. But we haven't seen the end of the story, not yet. We live in the beginning of the end of the story that we are still in the middle of. We know it's not the end because we haven't made it back to the garden. We get glimpses of the garden here and there in our hearts, in our families, in the church. But anyone who loves the story longs to see the one who is the center of the story. The snake crusher is coming back again 
to wipe away all the bad guys and wipe away every tear. He's coming to make a new beginning and to finish what he started. He's coming to give us the home that we once had and might have forgotten that we lost. So keep waiting for him. Keep believing in him. Keep trusting that the story isn't over yet. God's promises never fail, and the promised one never disappoints. One day we will see him. One day we will be with him. One day there will be something. One day there will be nothing but the best days, day after day after day after day. And forever and ever, it will be a wonderful time to be God's children in God's wonderful world. One of the things I love most about singing Silent Night at the end is the calm and quiet nature of our time together. Reminding us that because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can live at peace. If our trust is in him, we can live at peace despite the circumstances, despite external things, despite loss, despite grief, besides, uh, despite rejoicing, despite all things in this life, when we fix our eyes on him yesterday, today, and forever, we know that we're hold, we are held securely in his hand and that as we are held there, he is graciously and patiently and faithfully shaping us to be more and more like him, more and more a reflection of him. He is our faithful refuge, and so as a result, we can rejoice and we can rest. Lord Jesus, thank you for your redeeming grace, your grace that sets us free, your grace that renews us, brings new life into dead bones, new life into our our lives. I thank you that we are new creations in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. And I thank you that you hold us steady and firmly and securely in your hand. You are our good shepherd. We trust in you. We wholeheartedly live for you. I pray that we would worship you well the season and in the year ahead. I thank you for coming for us, for being our hero, our rescuer, and our redeemer. We pray this in your name. Amen.